evening, ladies. So little birdie told me you're a lively crew. Is that true? So if you remember me from the summer, you know that I love puns and I love Jesus. So I have one for you. Are you ready? Did you know that Jesus can't wear jewelry or necklaces because he breaks every chain? Yes. <laughs> okay, so this was my first time uh, visiting the tables. Well, I'm in the AM um, Bible study, and so it was my first time moving through the tables throughout the study, and I have loved getting to know the women. It is such a, such a blessing and such a gift to be able to just be a part of the conversations, hear the discussion, and really hear how people are processing Genesis. So there are a few things that I learned. I learned that for some people, this is either the first time you're reading Genesis or this is the first time you're really studying Genesis. And that has been hard for some people. You know, it's one thing to know the Sunday school version of these stories. <laughs> and it's a completely different thing when you're reading all the messy details, right? So there's been a lot of this emoji face and then this emoji face. <laughs> and then I was thinking, you know the green one where it's about to throw up? We've had few ew moments too, right? It has been one messy story after another. But doesn't this fit so great with our Sunday sermon series, this beautiful mess, but like OT edition? But boy, it's been hard to see the beauty in it though, hasn't it? Some have really struggled with the details of these stories and the choices some of these Bible characters have made. Some of you were saying, you know, and I thought my family was messed up. <laughs> and others were just confused about how God could allow or be okay with all these things that were happening. It felt like there was always some wrong being done or something really unfair happening to practically every sibling. Some of you felt confused, disgusted, annoyed, angry, and maybe even scared and discouraged. So why study Genesis? Because it's how we get to know ourselves better. It's our 23andMe or Ancestry.com in a way. We can find stories and experiences that somehow provide insight into who we are and who our family are. We share spiritual DNA, if you will, as children of God. So learning and seeing how their stories are connected to our story tells us more about who we are and who our father is. See, we have our own story, but it's connected to a bigger story. So through my table visits, I also heard some question. Was God really present? Was this really a part of his plan? And how do I fit into a story like this? So this pressed something on my heart. I felt we all needed to be connected to this story together. So God pressed the doctrine of his providence on my heart. So my hope is that you see it's not just one messed up story after another messed up story and so on and so on until Jesus comes and poof, all of a sudden everything is normal and good and not gross or crazy in the world. No, friends, we are connected to the stories from Genesis. We need Genesis so we can understand why Jesus came and why he did what he had to do. And the world needs Jesus. So why study Genesis? Because it's our foundation. It's where we see how God's providence begins. We see from the beginning of the creation of the universe, 
God's love, care, provision for all of his creation and all the details in between. He is ever-present, governing, guiding, planning, providing, interweaving our story into his grand story. You know, one of the oldest sayings of the ancient church summarizes the essence of the relationship between God and his people. Deus pronovis. Deus pronovis. And so this means God for us. Understanding this concept helps us understand the doctrine of providence. It is God being for his people. The word providence is made up of a prefix and a root. So the root comes from the Latin videre, from which we get the English word video. So videre means to see. The Latin word providio, side note, I took Latin in my undergrad and I was 19. No one should be allowed to take Latin when they're 19. You should be 25 or 30. I wish I could tell you I know so much Latin, but I know how to pronounce some things. But I really wanted to understand like what all words mean. What I love about this is, well, back to our story. So the Latin word providio, from where we get our word providence, means to see beforehand, a prior seeing, a foresight. However, theologians make a distinction between the foreknowledge of God and the providence of God. We're looking at the providence of God. So the closest thing to this Latin word in our language is the word provision. It means to supply what is needed, provide something, to give sustenance or support. And so the noun providence has come to mean the act of providing for, sustaining and governing the universe by God. So linguistically, pro means on behalf of, as well as forward. So provide can mean to see by, on behalf of. We say in English, I'll see to that. Seeing to something is acting on behalf of something. It is providing, I'll see to that. So providence is God saying, I'll see to that. And I love that. If we raise questions about the universe, like how is it that the sun, how is the sun the perfect distance from the earth? How do penguins survive in minus 40 degree weather? Or more personally, how will I get through this season in my life? God answers all those questions with, I'll see to that. And that is huge. He's walking with us through our messy lives. So as confusing as Genesis may have been for some of us, let's look at God's providence through scripture and see how it can give us hope and for today and for our future. So the first time we see or we find providence in the Bible is Abraham's offering of Isaac upon the altar. Remember that? It's kind of hard to forget. God called Abraham to take his son Isaac, whom he loved, to a mountain and sacrifice him. Abraham prepared to obey. Then Genesis 22:7, Isaac asks, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering, Father? Did you know that's how Isaac sounded? <laughs> Abraham replied in verse 8, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And he does provide. God provides a ram. A ram. And there is significance that it's a ram and not a lamb. A lamb is a young sheep that a man provides as a sacrifice. But a ram is an adult male sheep. See, it was God who provided the sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? Abraham called this place Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. 
And this is the first time the Bible speaks of God's providence, which has to do with God making a provision for our needs. And of course, looking forward, we see the ultimate provision, the supreme sacrifice on on our behalf, and that, of course, is Jesus. So this week, we looked at Joseph's life from chapters 42 to 47. So I want us to look at Joseph's story and all of Genesis now through the lens of his providence, that God is a God who provides in the details and in the big picture, his ultimate plan. So we see that in the Joseph narrative, it comes to a climax in Genesis 45. In reflecting on Joseph's story up to this point, we can see that Joseph was both a wounded man and a broken man. He was wounded certainly by the mistreatment of his brothers, by the loss of his parents, by the mischaracterization by Mrs. Robinson, I mean Potiphar's wife, (laughs) and by the forgetfulness of the cupbearer. But Joseph was also a broken man. His ego and the way he handled his father's favoritism got under the skin of his brothers. I mean, don't get me wrong. They were certainly at fault for what they did to him and how they treated him. But they were broken too. And you know the saying, hurt people, hurt people. That's right. Joseph's brokenness and his brother's brokenness combined to create this darkness over the family of Jacob. There were some dark years there for Joseph. So wouldn't it be totally understandable if Joseph felt forgotten or abandoned by God? I know I would have. But we know that God did not forget Joseph. Genesis reminds us that God was with Joseph. Genesis 39, verse 2, 21, and 23 all say that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful because he had God's favor, mercy, and kindness. Joseph's life provides for us many difficult situations that appeared to have gone on and on without any visible resolve. Years and years went by without having any answers. Our lives can run into similar confusing situations. It helps if we think of these individual problems or crises as pieces to a puzzle. Until we know how the piece fits into the puzzle, we will be confused. With time, we may find answers, but what about before then? Or what if we don't in this life? What do we do? We trust God. We trust the one who made the puzzle, that he will work it out, that he will see to it. Understanding God's providence provides peace and hope. So today we're gonna look at three things. How God's providence preserves life, how God's providence fulfills his purposes, and how God's providence secures his promises. Then we're gonna look at three important truths his providence teaches us. So number one, God's providence is actively preserving life. To preserve means to keep safe from injury, harm, or destruction. From our study this week, we see how God used Joseph to preserve life. God preserved Joseph's family so that the family lineage would provide a way for Jesus to come. In his gracious providence, God cares for all his creatures as a father and richly and daily provides for us all that we need for this body and in this life. He is preserving us and all of creation from the birds in the air and the stars in the sky. Psalm 104.27 says, These all look to you to give them their food in due season. Does that remind you of any teachings of Jesus? In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about the birds and the lilies and how they're cared for. 
Okay, I know everyone likes talking about birds and bird analogies, but I want to talk about beavers. <laughs> so stay with me. I'm Canadian, and we like beavers. We like them so much, we put them on our money. I know, it's so weird, no joke. But anyway, beavers are some of the most hardworking animals. They build dams. They're like the engineers of the animal world. They work hard, they store food, and they seem so independent. But the Bible says God is involved with that. He is the one providing for them. He's the one providing them with the tree branches, the mud, the rocks, the grass, their strong teeth, and the skills they need to build the dams. In his providence, he is preserving them. He provides everything they need. The Heidelberg Catechism describes God's preserving providence as this. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. See, he's not some cold, distant deity just waiting and watching and playing with our lives. He's our father. His fatherly hand can hold the universe in one hand and provide what we need with the other. So what do you need? Because he will see to that. The second thing I want to look at is how God's providence fulfills his purposes. All that was happening to Joseph and his family and to the nation is really an outworking of the promise of God. It's not an accident. It's not a chance occurrence. It's that providential dealing of God. You remember back in Genesis 15, 13, God had said to Abraham hundreds of years before this, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So this whole story of Joseph being sold, of him being thrown into prison, of him being catapulted to become the prime minister, and then him saving the grain so that he can sell it during the famine, was so that the nation of Israel would come and dwell in Egypt and not perish, and that his promise would be fulfilled. God's promise is always absolutely fulfilled because his providence, God's sovereign acts, would see to it. Today we realize the promise of Abraham's offspring is about Jesus. And we know that Jesus would come from Israel's line, from the Jewish line, and specifically Judah's line. And that preservation of land and the people of Israel is critical in order for this promise to be fulfilled. So from all that we've read, it's really to demonstrate the sovereign providential hand of God. It is for his promises to be revealed. Remember when Joseph said in Genesis 45, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me here to preserve life. God had a, Joseph had a very God-centered view. Oh yes, there are twists and turns, and yes, there is pain and suffering. But behind it all, he could somehow still see God. In verse seven, he says, it is God who sent me. And again in verse eight, he said, it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. My friends, this, this is huge. This is a huge lesson in Genesis, isn't it? That nothing happens to us by accident. Everything takes place by providence. So your struggle with your health, your finances, your parents, children, siblings, marriage, divorce, grief is all difficult and painful. 
and I'm sorry. When we're in that pain, it's so hard. But God is in our pain with us. God never causes evil to accomplish his purpose or to fulfill his promise. It's outside of his character, but he will use it. Yes, life is very messy. Life can be difficult to understand. It can seem so random. It can seem accidental. It can seem like punishment, but it's not. It's providential. It's part of a bigger story that we just don't know the ending to yet. But God is seeing to it. As you walk through your day and you get that call with an unexpected diagnosis, a traffic jam, a late appointment, an upset spouse, a well-deserved raise, a raise, an accepted house offer, the birth of a healthy baby, or maybe even a layoff notice, and a million other things, both good and bad. Today, I pray that you can have patience in your bad moments, thankfulness in your good moments, and trust God in all of the circumstances because of his providence. We need to view our circumstances, our trials, our victories, all through the lens of God's providence. Charles Spurgeon was a Baptist preacher in England in the late 19th century. Spurgeon described God's providence as a wheel. It was hard to find a 19th century wheel on last, you know, last minute, so I made you one. <laughs> so for illustration, you're welcome. Um, sometimes one part of the wheel is at the top, and then it is at the bottom. Sometimes it is exalted, and then it sinks back down into the dust. He says, providence is like a wheel. In a wheel, there is one portion that never turns round, that stands steadfast. That is the axle. So in God's providence, his everlasting love is the axle, which never moves. Our state is always changing. Something is always happening. There are times where we have much and all is wonderful, and then there are times we don't, and things seem dire and dark. Yet there's this unmoving point in our story. The exterior of the wheel will always change, but the center stands fixed forever. Other things may move, but God's love never moves. That should give us hope today. When we read Genesis, we look back at history. We can see one great thing, that God is working through the world, his plan and purposes. So here we are today in 2022. And we can say, well, about 4,000 years ago, God was totally spot on in ensuring his promises will come to pass. God was absolutely gracious to, and good to Joseph and his family, and, to the, and God was absolutely working out his promises for the good of his people and for the glory of his name. But when we look at today, we see how messy it is. But we fast forward 2,000 years from now, know when we look back, we will be saying, Thank you, God, for all that you have given to us. Whether like Joseph, we are in a pit, in a prison, or in a palace, we know that you have a purpose and a plan for us. And your purpose behind it all was for good, and we worship you. Because you really did see to that. So, so far we looked at God's providence, how it preserves life and that how, is, how it fulfills his purposes. Third, we're going to look at how God's providence secures his promises. So God's providence is seen in Joseph's life, and maybe God wants us to see how in impossible situations he always finds a way to keep his covenant promises. His promises are good. 
He promises hope and a future for us. Providence is what God declares in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and future. Author and speaker Priscilla Shire has said, God says, trust that my providence is that connective tissue that ties together the details of your life with my sovereign plan. You are a part of kingdom purposes, the likes of which you cannot even imagine. He is crafting a story. Friends, is struggling a part of your story today? Are you struggling with some heavy things? Maybe you drifted from his presence and feel he can't or won't work in your life. Trust him today. God's promises and plans are good and powerful. Are some of you thinking, but I messed up his plans for me, he can't use me. Do you know his pursuit of us is greater than our ability to wander? Author and speaker Lisa Bevere says, if you think you've blown God's plan for your life, remember this, you, my beautiful friend, are not that powerful. <laughs> so good. God's providence is proof that he has not and will not abandon us. He, if he didn't abandon us on the cross, he will not abandon us now. He chose us, he is present, he is active. He will always provide for us. God never abandoned Joseph. He was with him every step of the way, making a way for him and for his will. So we learn that through God's providence, he's preserving us, he's working his purpose through us, and his promises are secure. And in the end, he's transforming us into our savior. So from all this, I hope you can see from the doctrine of God's providence that it teaches us several important truths that we can hold to our heart. First, God cares about the tiniest details of our life. Nothing escapes his notice. He's concerned about the small as well as the big. Second, God uses everything and wastes nothing. There are no accidents with God. Our joy, our pain is a part of our story as it is part of God's ultimate story. Our pain was not for nothing. And third, God's ultimate purpose is to shape us into the image of Jesus. And he often uses difficult moments and adversities to accomplish that purpose. So we can join with him to draw people into a relationship with him. So why study Genesis? Why study all these messy stories? Because his providence is what makes the mess beautiful. His providence is what brings Jesus and Jesus changes everything. Genesis connects the dots from, G from Joseph to Jesus. Joseph saved his people and brought them into unity with one another. Throughout the entire narrative of the patriarchs, beginning in, with Abraham from Genesis 12, the family from whom the Messiah would come, they were never in complete harmony with one another. So many strained relationships, major tensions, deceit, lies, slave trading, just to name a few. But God brings the 70 members of Jacob's family into Egypt through the exalted Joseph so that the seed promise in Genesis 315, that's Jesus, is preserved. So we fast forward a little bit, we'll see Jacob, after Jacob dies, Joseph's brothers cry out to him, fearful that now Joseph will take his revenge out on them for their wickedness. But sweet Joseph is so brokenhearted over their fear and again 
assures them of his kindness. So after four generations, the family from whom the Messiah will come is living together in harmony, all because one man was willing to suffer and forgive. The Jesus Storybook Bible gets it just right. One day, God would send another prince, a young prince whose heart would break. Like Joseph, he would leave his home and his father. His brothers would hate him and want him dead. He would be sold for pieces of silver. He would be punished even though he had done nothing wrong. But God would use everything that happened to this young prince, even the bad things, to do something good, to forgive the sins of the whole world. And this is why we are here. This season isn't your story. It's just a part of your story. So let's look at our lives through the lens of God's providence and see it as God's loving hand and be prepared to find peace and hope knowing we are part of a bigger story. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your providence. Thank you that you are a good father who will always provide for us that no matter what we need or what we are going through, may we find peace in knowing that you are seeing to it. Help us to really understand how your providential hand is your loving hand in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.